Shalom Aleichem, this is Rabbi Kovacs. Mishnah continues for Shabbat Vayera. We're in chapter 3 of Yevamot, Mishnah 9. Shlosha Achim, three brothers, Nisuin Shalush Nochriot. They're married to three completely unrelated women. We'll call them Rachel and Miriam and Sally. Mate Echad Mehen. Nebuch, one of the brothers, died without children, so now there's a Yivam situation. The also Bohasheni Ma'amar. And the next brother does Ma'amarv, as we've explained, this is a rabbinic-level kiddushin. They're getting married on a rabbinic level. They haven't fully affected Yibam yet. Va-met. And unfortunately, he died also before they actually got fully married in Yibam. So now we have Rachel, the widow of the first brother, who also received a ma'amar from the second brother. And we have Miriam, the widow of the second brother, and they both fall to Yibam in front of the last surviving brother. So the Mishnah teaches, They both require a chalitza before they can marry outside, but they cannot be married in Yibam. Why? Shinemar, there's a Pasuk, says, When one of the brothers dies, That's when the surviving brother can marry her. The Mishnah explains, That on what this verse is hinting is that on her, on this widow, is a zika, a connection, an obligation of yavam echad, of one brother only. But not that she has a connection to two deceased brothers. This is met echad mehen. Only one of them has a connection to the widow. That's when we have a yibam. And here, Rachel, who was the widow of the first brother to die, has a zika from, from that family, from the original family, uh, her first husband, but then she was also, through Ma'amar, kind of married to the second brother, who also died. So there's two obligations, in the sense there's two brothers that deceased, and the third brother has an obligation to both to both situations, to both households that he's trying to uh, rebuild through the mitzvah of Yibam, but he can't because the Pusik says only when there's one household, not two. Rabbi Shimon, Omer, Rabbi Shimon says, that the third brother, the last surviving brother, can do Yibam to either woman, to Rachel, the first widow, or to Miriam, the second widow from the second brother, uh, and, and do Chalitza to the other one. Now, this is fascinating because this is a new understanding of Zika, of the bond that uh, that binds them together, and the Ma'amar, the effect of doing Ma'amar, the rabbinical level of Kedushin. Now, recall in Mishnah Hay in this chapter, uh, we said that according to Beit Shammai, the Girsa of the Mishnah, Beit Shammai said, in a case where they did Ma'amar, Ishto Imo, it's as if they're fully married. Okay, fine, it's rabbinic, but it's as if they're fully married, and it could knock out an erva from falling to Yibam. Beit Hillel says, no, it's not as if they're married, and it's going to be a problem. So we see there that sort of there's an understanding either Ma'amar is very strong or Ma'amar is fairly weak, still some kind of marital bond, but a weaker level. But Rabbi Shimon here has a totally different understanding. According to Rabbi Shimon, Ma'amar is all or nothing. It either affects a real marriage or it doesn't really do anything, but it's kind of a nice thing to give the Avama, the widow, a ring before they go to chuppah and get married in Yibam. It's a, it's a pleasant thing, but it's not a legally binding thing. And therefore, according to Rabbi Shimon's understanding of the power of Mamar being up, up for grabs, being all or nothing, so either Rachel was fully married in Mamar, and now both Rachel and Miriam are equally falling for Yibam and could be married by the last surviving brother, or it did nothing, and she was never really married to uh, the second brother. And so now it's as if Rachel is still the widow of the first brother, 
and Miriam is still the widow only of the second brother, and there's two different brothers, two different situations that are totally separate because the Mamar didn't link the Rachel to the second brother at all. And the Mishnah goes on, brings an unrelated case, two brothers married to two sisters, Umet Echad Mehen, one brother dies with no children, and afterwards, the wife of the surviving brother passes away. Now, the prohibition of marrying the sister of somebody's wife is only effective when the wife is alive. If the wife passed away, a man could technically marry the sister. So you might have thought in this case, since his wife, who was the sister, passed away, they could go ahead and do yibam. Harezo asur alav olamit. But no, it's forbidden always for them to do yibam forever. Because when she originally fell to yibam, when she was eligible for yibam, the sister was still alive. The, the, the wife was the sister of the Avama, so no yibam is possible. Let's go into Mishnah Yud. Shnaim shekidshu shte nashim. Two men married two women through Kedushin. Recall, Kedushin is the first stage of marriage, typically affected by giving a ring, as we'll learn about in Masechah Kedushin, but this is much more than the modern-day engagement. Um, nowadays, we actually do Kedushin under the chuppah on the day of the wedding uh, before we recite all the blessings. But 2,000 years ago, it was normal to do the Kedushin for a number of months or even a year uh, before the actual wedding. We'll see this in Chaye Sara coming up very soon, that Eliezer goes and he brings Kedushin, he brings money to be Mikadesh Rivka, and then her family members suggest that she stays with them for another year, or at least 10 months, to prepare for marriage, and she vol- voluntarily wants to go immediately to marry Yitzhak, to marry Isaac. So here in the Mishnah, the Kedushin, the first stage of marriage, went off perfectly well, but when they were bringing these two women to the chuppah, there was a, a horrible mistake. We can imagine, maybe it came up, there were two wedding halls, one was upstairs and one was downstairs, and they were getting very ready, and everyone was wearing a very thick veil, and uh, it's dark, and there's not a lot of lights, and they told one kala, one bride, to go upstairs, and she should have gone downstairs, and vice versa. So what ended up is these two women are already married through Kedushin. They're already a married woman. And, but then when they went to Chuppah, the second stage of marriage, to start living together as man and wife, they made a mistake. So the Mishnah says, what are the consequences? Hare elu hayavin mishum eshet ish. They need to bring a carbon hatat, a car, an offering that's brought, a sin offering that's brought by a mis- for a mistake. Is the same offering we mentioned over and over in Masechet Shabbat if somebody breaches the laws of the Sabbath by mistake. So Hayu Achin, if they were two brothers, also Mishum Eshet Ach. They need to bring another offering because they lived with the wife of their brother. Now, of course, in Yibum, we do marry the former wife, the widow of the brother, but that's because the brother has already passed away and now she's a widow. Im Hayu Achayot, if these two girls were sisters, Mishum Isha El Achota. As the Pazak says, you can't marry a woman on her sister, meaning when her sister is already married to you, so then they'd be they'd be liable to bring three different offerings. Imhayunidot, if they were in their week of menstruation, Mishum Nida. That would be an additional uh, offering that needed to be brought to atone for this horrible uh, mix up. The Gemara explains that normally we don't say Isser Halal Isser. When something is already forbidden, you need to bring an offering. 
We don't usually put people in double jeopardy, but there are things like Isrkola, Isrmosi, if there's various types of prohibitions that sort of expand or add on that would actually bring people into double jeopardy, or in this case, quadruple jeopardy. And the mission continues, Mafrishin Otan Shoshachadashim. We have them separate from their real husband, the Kedushin husband, for three months. Shema Me'ubarot Hen. Because, God forbid, maybe they got pregnant from the wrong man, the man who really was not their husband. If they're very young, you know, before they're, uh, they're fertile or they're not able to have children, then they would be able to go back right away because we're not concerned they became pregnant from a different man because, God forbid, there's serious consequences for that happening. The mission concludes, If they were the daughters of, of a Kohanic family, a priestly family, they can't go back to eat truma in their father's household. Normally, the rule is if the daughter of a Kohen who grew up eating truma because her father is a Kohen, if she marries a Yisrael, you know, it's, okay, it's a step down, but maybe he's a great guy. But then if he passes away with no children, she could go back and live in her father's household and eat truma again. But here, since she had relations with a man who, by, by mistake, was not her husband, she's not allowed to eat truma anymore. Yashar and Shabbat Shalom Evrach.